Good morning. Morning, everybody. We will go ahead and get started here in just a second, and so I'll ask you to make your way to your seats. Um, I just want to start off by wishing everybody a happy Father's Day. I'm so, so thankful for you guys. Well, before that, welcome to West Irwin. Uh, if you're visiting, we're so glad that you're here with us, and now we'll jump into Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Um, in honor of Father's Day, just the same as we did with Mother's Day, on the way out, you'll see some uh, goodie bags in the back. You can grab one of those, um, all you fathers. Um, I want to say it's meat and cheese, and so you really can't go wrong with, with meat and cheese. Um, or maybe just the meat. But, hey, the more bags there are left over, the more meat Eric and I are going to eat in the office. So don't get stingy with it. Just grab one. Um, or if you want to donate one to, to our cause, you can do that also. Um, announcements. Uh, Barbara Smart had emergency surgery and is asking for our prayers. She won't be having visitors, um, but we do want to ask that you'll keep Barbara in your prayers. Also, another random announcement. Uh, this just keeps happening to me. We found some more earrings. And so once again, I'm assuming they're earrings, probably not a belly button ring. Check your ears. Um, if you are missing earrings, they were out in the parking lot, come find me. Um, if you don't find me today, I'm going to stick them in my office right next to the other earring that was given to me uh, a couple months back. And so you can find me and I'll get these to you. Um, tonight is small groups, so no activities here at the church building. Get with your small group and uh, have a great time. And then also we have some extra singing nights coming up, the first of which is going to be uh, this Wednesday. So the children's classes and VBS will go on as normal, but we're going to have some extra singing, singing nights um, just in preparation for our, our Praise and Harmony workshop coming to West Sterling this fall. Um, I think that's all I've got, and so I'll ask that you'll stand with me. We'll, we'll kick off this morning with the prayer, and then I'll hand it over to Kelly. Father, we thank you for today. Um, We thank you for another morning that we can gather together and sing praises to your name. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified through our praises, and I pray that we would be uplifted by fellowship with one another. Um, Lord, you are so good to us, and we thank you for your goodness. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Salvation belongs to our God, who sits upon the throne, and unto the land be praised and glory, wisdom and
honor of Father's Day, I, I chose this song strictly because it's praising our Lord and our Father. Father, take my life. Psalms chapter 103 verse 13 NIV version as a father has compassion on his children so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him let's go to our father in prayer Lord we come humbly before your throne acknowledging you as a father of our Lord Jesus Christ a father of compassion God of all comfort. You are our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer. Your way is perfect and true. We acknowledge and confess that we are sinners. We sin against you by our words and deeds. We do what we do not want to do and do not do what we should do. And we are sorrowful for our failures. Father, we are thankful that you have made us known to us through your word and through Jesus Christ. And we are grateful that through the blood of Christ, each one of us are invited to pray to you as our Father. You provided us with blessings that we are not aware of or could ever have imagined. We are especially thankful for us, our own family here, who helps us with encouraging words, good deeds, and with prayers. Father, may we always put our trust in you even when our burdens seem to be too great for our shoulders to bear. We have many names on the prayer and care list. We bring these names before you for healing of physical and spiritual needs. Spencer Brawley, Barbara Smart, Glenn Starnes, Jenny Price, Patsy Bullard, Jeff Ingram, Suzanne Roden, and Jose for his health and eyes, and all those on a prayer and care list. Father, our thoughts are upon the family and loved ones in the passing of Johnny Simmons, Lee Brown, May Helen May, and Linda Gillen. We pray for peace and comfort 
be upon them who are dealing with their loss. Father, we ask you to bless our brothers in Christ who are fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, and father figures. May their daily actions be Christ-like to love, encourage, protect, and to bend those who are dependent on them. And when these men face challenging times, we ask you, God, to guard them, guide them, and bless them with a deep trust in you. We pray for these men to stand firm for you, to say no to what is not good, and to say yes to what is right. May their homes be a blessing of comfort, joy, and peace. Protect us against the evil that desires to enter our lives, our homes upon this land we live in. And we ask for a hedge of protection around each of us, for you are a refuge and fortress. We ask you to provide the parents with the knowledge and wisdom to direct and guide their children in your ways. And may their children pay attention to your word. Father, we pray for the children who are fatherless or have distant fathers. And for these children, we pray that we can guide and nurture them. Father, we are thankful for each member, staff, teachers, deacons, and elders. We're thankful for those in the military, our health care workers, teachers, and all those who are willing to help others. We pray that our world leaders will restrain evil across this world, uphold your word, provide civil order justice, and find a peaceful solution to Eastern Europe. Father, in these past days, severe storms have come upon this land. Due to these storms, there are people who are without electricity, their property damaged or destroyed, injured or lost loved ones. And we pray that they be helped and they be helped whatever they need materially, financially, and spiritually. We ask you to bless Bill Allen today in presenting your word this morning in a way that we can recognize what is truth and what are the culture influences of deceptions as we battle this spiritual war daily. Father, we are thankful that we are here in your presence, joined together in one body, one spirit, and one hope with the hope that provides us assurance of the resurrected life. May our worship today be in spirit and truth as we glorify you with hearts filled with joy, compassion, and love. We ask these things in the blessed name of Jesus Christ. Amen. To prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, we're going to be singing How Deep the Father's Love. How deep the Father's love
Uh, good morning. Happy Father's Day. Uh, this metaphor is going to fall apart by the end, and I promise you that's on purpose. Um, so this is really for anyone who's a father, a mother, or even if you have someone in your life that you're just very protective of. You don't have to actually have kids, I don't think, to relate to this. And we're all at different parts of that journey. I happen to be at the part where my little girl's about to turn five, and she loves going to the playground several times a week. And we finally, you know, every, every time she goes, she, she makes friends. She can't imagine why somebody wouldn't be her friend. And we finally hit that stage where finally somebody's not been nice to her, more than one somebody. And she doesn't understand. And uh, I don't have to tell you if you're a parent, maybe especially if you're a father, um, what feelings that brings up when you when you hear that somebody has not been nice to your little one. <laughs> Um, but then imagine that you sent your little one off to the playground and you were watching from across the parking lot and you sent them and not only were the other people not nice to them they mocked them they hurt them what if they killed them and all the while they mocked them and now imagine that your kid knew that was going to happen when you sent them and he said, you got to go anyway because it's for all their own good. And then you still watched. You know, they asked you, maybe, maybe I don't have to go do this, kind of like Jesus said in the garden. If it's your will, God, let this, let this cup pass from me. Well, he, he said, Father, you know, because he's one and only son. And then you watch, and your kid looks at you while all this is happening, this horrible thing that you sent them off to do, and they say, in this case, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? Just like Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right before it was all done. And you had to sit there and watch. Um, knowing that you did that and knowing why you did it. And the metaphor falls apart a little bit because, uh, yes, Jesus is God's one and only son, but God wants all of us to be his children. So it's not quite the same if you were sending your kid off to save all your other kids. But I still couldn't do it. I don't think I could. I don't think anybody in this room could put their child through that. And uh, we were talking in class a few weeks ago about how in order to stay the course as a Christian, as a child of God, you have to understand your worth to our Father. You have to understand your worth. And if putting it in that perspective doesn't help us understand our worth, then what is this all for? And this time that God gives us that Jesus said, use this time to remember him, every week it reminds us of our worth. We didn't get it on our own. God just gave it to us, and he wants us all to be here and all to partake wherever we are in the world to be his children, and that's what we're worth to him. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son, but we also thank you for making us your sons and daughters. We thank you for loving us so much that that torture for Jesus and for you, that you did that for us. We thank you for his body that was broken. We ask that you help us remember that, remember it, not just now, but always, and know that we are worth that to you. 
and to know how special that is, that that gift that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. wasn't just enough for for Jesus to die he had to conquer death and so that his blood could wash our sins away because without that conquering of death the death really doesn't mean the same thing will you pray with me as as we partake in in the fruit of the vine dear heavenly father we thank you for your sacrifice and for your son's sacrifice and for his blood that washes our sins away we thank you for the fact that, that not only was he sacrificed, but he also conquered death to give us life. We ask that you please bless this time that we have together to remember that. And please help us to carry it with us. In his name we pray. Amen.
This time we'll uh, have the opportunity to give and uh, you know if we know our worth to our father then we know that that's every every person on this earth that's their worth to him as well and we should we should see everyone as having that same worth as well and so this is an opportunity for us to give and minister to one another minister to our community and to the rest of the world so uh, let's let's go to our father and thanks that we have this opportunity Dear God, we thank you this morning for all the ways that you've blessed us. We thank you for giving us uh, this opportunity to be a part of your church, be a part of this community, and we ask that you will help us uh, to be generous and, and give gladly so that your word can be spread and so even, even more of the precious souls on this earth can come to know you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing blue skies and rainbows while our kids come up for kids time today. Blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven are what I can see. When my Lord is living in me, I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart. Nevermore will I be all alone since he promised me. what today is. I mean, other than Sunday, what is it? It's Father's Day. That's right. Did you all say Happy Father's Day? I'm Yes, very good, very good. You know, dads are kind of special. 
Because dads are kind of funny, but dads are kind of funny in a little bit of a weird way. Is it okay to say that? Because sometimes dads say funny things. Did you know that? Your dads, yeah, and grandpas even say funnier things and seem to even care less about the effect of those things. So I'm going to show you something that Mr. Bill's daughters gave me for her Father's Day a while back. Some of you may be able to read, some of you not. Can anybody that reads, can you tell me what that says? That's right, it says, hi, board, I'm dad. Honest. Okay, so the reason they gave me this is because that's what I tell them sometimes. Because you know what they say when I tell them this? They say, dad, I'm bored. And so I say, hi, board, I'm dad. Any of you have, have any of you ever said that to your dad? You have. Okay, good, good. Or you might say, Dad, I'm hungry. And Dad would say, Hi, hungry, I'm Dad. Well, there's something else I have here. What are these? What are they? They're socks. That's right. And my daughters gave me this as well. And on one sock, can you read that? Can any of you read that? Do not disturb. That's right. That's what one sock says. And the other sock says... This. Can you read that? It says, Papa is resting his eyes. <laughs> well, dads and papas say things like that. And we do that because we love having fun with our kids and with our grandkids. And with other kids and grandkids, too. You know, Mr. Eric, Brother Eric said during the communion time, he said that he talked about God as our Heavenly Father. And God loves us so much that he gave his only son, didn't he? And he gave his son for all of us, even those that need to do their exercise during kids' time. Have you noticed that? <laughs> That's how much our Father loves us. Okay, let's go back to our seats or to blast and sing about Jesus one more time. I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart. Nevermore will I be all alone since he promised me that we never would part. While you, while you were doing that, Bill, I reached... I, Lean back, and I said, don't we all appreciate the honesty of children? <laughs> There's nothing quite like the honesty and the love and the, and the joy that children bring us, isn't it? It's, it's absolutely amazing, whether they're our own children or our grandchildren, other people's children. It's absolutely amazing. And as a parent, as a father, it just enlightens us so much. And when I think about God and how we're here to worship him and lift up our voices and our praise and our thoughts and our prayers to him, how much he is enlightened by that. Thank you for the cross,
That beautiful song is one of the ones that we're learning. It's one of the ones we sang in our singing night this past Sunday night. It's one of the ones I'm sure that Kelly will lead us in this coming Wednesday night. Remember Wednesday night, our kids and VBS will go on as normal. Uh, everyone else, youth through adults, will be in the chapel at 6.30, and we're going to be uh, having a singing night and working on those songs, and you'll be hearing more and more about that. You've already heard a lot about it, but that's coming up August 18th through 20th, our Praise and Harmony Workshop. And uh, we want to be ready for that great weekend and all that God will do for us as we sing with joy and love and adoration and worship to Him. Well, again, it's been said, but happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. It's, it's always fun to preach on Mother's Day and Father's Day. As I told our class this morning, Mother's Day, you want to make a really big deal, talk about mothers, about grandmothers, about godly women, about all the wonderful things that uh, women do for the Lord, for families, for the community. You have a very special, nice gift for them. Uh, dads, on Father's Day, you pretty much say Happy Father's Day and then go about your business. Um, but it's a wonderful time to celebrate, and I don't think that you'll be disappointed at all, guys, with the gift bag that you get on the way out. So hopefully all of our men will be able to be sure and get that. Uh, Joyce saw something on Nextdoor app a while back, a, a week or so ago, and it says this. An 80-year-old man was asked by a youngster how he kept his marriage so successful after all these years. How did you reach that conclusion? The surprised man inquired. Well, you always call your wife my love, my sweetheart, my honey. Oh, the man said, I just forgot her name and I'm afraid to ask her. <laughs> you got to love men. You got to love dads. Um, did you know that there's an official definition for a dad joke? There is, and I'll share it in a moment. But here are some examples, first of all. A duck walks into a pharmacy and says, give me some lip balm and put it on my bill. Yeah, I'm going to wait each time until you laugh a little. What do sprinters eat before a race? Nothing. They fast. <laughs> I love this one especially. To whoever stole my copy of Microsoft Office, I will find you. You have my word. <clears throat> well, in 2019, the term dad joke actually made it into Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Here it is. A wholesome joke of the type said to be told by fathers with a punchline that is often an obvious or predictable pun or play on words and usually judged to be endearingly corny or unfunny. <laughs> that is exactly right. Exactly right. Because we don't tell them to be funny. We tell them to be funny about being endearingly corny or unfunny. One social media account dedicated to sharing dad jokes has 8.8 .8 million members. <laughs> dad jokes work on at least three levels as puns, as anti-humor, the opposite of humor, and as a kind of weaponized anti-humor when dads use them to teasingly annoy and or embarrass their children. Yep, that's what it's all about in teasingly annoying uh, or embarrassing their children. And it's interesting to me that my daughter's always said, Dad, you're embarrassing me. Like, that's going to stop me? That's only going to make me say another one. I just, I don't, I don't get that at all. Um, and so the most common one on one website was, Hi, Hungry, I'm Dad. 
after a child says, Dad, I'm hungry or bored in my case. Um, Other common dad sayings, see if you can complete some of these. Were you raised in a barn? After leaving the door open, of course. You think money grows on trees, right? And the one that my kids got me that for my socks, it says, I'm not sleeping, I'm just resting my eyes, just resting my eyes. And then I love this one, of course. If your friends jumped off a bridge, would you jump with them? Right, would you go after them? Um, uh, 51% of moms secretly enjoy dad jokes. Now I want to talk to the other half of you ladies for a minute. I'm thinking that number should be more. Um, One in three dads use dadisms because it makes their kids laugh. One of the things about dad jokes, and this is actually, there's a link to an article or two on your your worship handout in the bulletin. One of the things about them is that what they've discovered, and this is actual scientific research, like any dad or granddad in this room couldn't tell them that this is true, and every child could tell them, uh, is that they help that relationship between dads or granddads and the children grow tighter. It's one of those things that just makes that connection. It's one of those things that build that relationship. And that is exactly the truth. And so this article says, Don't let their groans, their eye rolls, or their palpable irritation stop you. You're partaking in a long and proud tradition, and your embarrassingly awful jokes may even do them some good. Keep repeating the same old stale puns year in and year out. Through painful repetition, you get to experience the same old joke, go through waves of being unfunny, and then so unfunny that it becomes funny. (laughs) One day, you may overhear your own children spontaneously telling the same joke, perhaps when they themselves have become parents. So follow the science. Tell more dad jokes. Last month when we were on Mother's Day, I shared a passage from 1 Thessalonians 2 that talked about how Paul used a a very uh, uh, maternal metaphor when he said, we cared for you like a nursing mother cares for her children. Well, in 1 Thessalonians 2, the next couple of verses, verses 11 and 12, it says this, for you know we dealt with you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God. 1 Thessalonians 2 verses 11 and 12. So Paul uses one metaphor that says it was like a mother, a caring, loving, nursing, gentle mother. But on the other hand, it's also like a father, a father that was encouraging and uh, comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God. Though they will sometimes put their foot in their mouth, dads are not the experts on saying the wrong thing. That job was taken a long time ago in the days of Job. Job's friends offer clear examples of what not to say to the suffering and the grieving. I tell people, if you want to know what not to say when you visit the hospital or visiting someone that has lost a loved one, read Job's friends' speeches in the book of Job. And we're going to read some of them today. Uh, Job's friends offer clear examples of what not to say. If you ever wanted to know how not to do, 
that kind of comforting ministry, this is where you go. What they say to Job to, quote, cheer him up, instead causes Job to think, with friends like these guys, I don't need any enemies. And so let's look at a few thoughts from Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. First of all, Eliphaz. Uh, We read him in three different places through the book of Job. As the structure of the book goes, as we've seen in chapters 1 and 2, it's God and Satan fighting over Job, and uh, Job's losses pile up. And then in Job chapter 3, Job lashes out at God, venting, and his friends have been there for a few days, and now they're hearing him go through all of this. And then the rest of of the book is a speech by one of his friends, and then Job responds. And then a speech by the next one, and Job responds. And that's how this goes. Up until another young man, Elihu, comes in just before God and seems to have a few more positive things to say. And then, of course, God hits Job towards the end. So first of all, Eliphaz. In chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, Eliphaz says this. Consider now, who being innocent has ever perished? Where were the upright ever destroyed? As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. At the breath of God, they perish. At the blast of his anger, they are no more. Now, here's something that we're going to read throughout this section of what Job's friends tell him. They're saying, look, we've always believed that the righteous prosper and the wicked suffer. And you're suffering and your kids have died. What does that say, Job? It says that they were evil. It says that you're evil. Has God ever struck someone that didn't deserve it? And there's Job sitting there thinking, hello, yeah, that's exactly what I've been saying. Chapter 5, verses 24 through 27. You will know that your tent is secure. You will take stock of your property and find nothing missing. You will know that your children will be many and your descendants like the grass of the earth. You will come to the grave in full vigor like sheaves gathered in season. We have examined this and it is true. So hear it and apply it to yourself. They're telling this to a man who has lost everything, including his children. (laughs) They just don't see the reality. God will not let this happen to you, they're saying. And Job says, God has already done this to me. Finally, from Eliphaz, his third speech in chapter 15. We'll just read this last passage in chapter 15, beginning at verse 9. What do you know that we don't know? What insights do you have that we don't have? The gray-haired and the aged are on our side. The righteous prosper and the wicked suffer. Men even older than your father. Are God's consolations not enough to you? Words spoken gently to you by them, they say. Why has your heart carried you away? And why do your eyes flash so that you vent your rage against God And pour out such words from your mouth. One thing in their favor is at least they got it. At least they heard Job saying these things to God. And being upset not just with them but with God. And they heard that. And they understood it. They just couldn't take it. They couldn't let Job share those honest feelings. Of what he saw was wrong. And how he was being treated. So a few comments also from Bildad is next. And he comes through a few times. But you see a little bit of a progression here. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Eliphaz seems to be the guy that's most wordy, most articulate, 
uh, perhaps the oldest because he starts the first. And then Bildad comes along and in a little bit less so, so much so that he has three speeches, but the last one is only six verses long. And then we finally get to Zophar in a few minutes, and Zophar only has two speeches. In those two speeches, he's already told everything that he knows. Bildad says this in chapter 8, one of the worst things I can imagine being said to Job. Chapter 8, then Bildad the Shuhite replied, how long will you say such things? Your words are a blustering wind. Does God pervert justice? Does the Almighty pervert what is right? When your children sinned against him, he gave them over to the penalty for their sin. Can I just tell you that one thing you should not ever say to someone who has lost a child is they got what they deserve because they sinned. I don't think that's very helpful. And yet that's exactly what Bildad tells Job. Continuing in verses 5 through 7 in Job chapter 8. But if you will seek God earnestly and plead with the Almighty, if you are pure and upright, even now he will rouse himself on your behalf and restore you to your prosperous state. Your beginnings will seem humble, so prosperous will your future be. And skipping down to verse 20, surely God does not reject one who is blameless or strengthen the hands of evildoers. He will fill your mouth with laughter yet. And your lips with shouts of joy. Your enemies will be clothed in shame. And the tents of the wicked will be no more. Now I, perhaps they're just trying to help him to see this has an end. And, and that's not a bad thing I guess. But what they're missing out is that's not the reality right now. That's not where I am. <laughs> and saying that Job if you will just do right and not sin. God's going to make your life wonderful and beautiful. Number one, it's not true. And number two, it's not helpful. Yes, God will deliver us through whatever it is that we're facing, but that doesn't mean that he saves us from physical and even emotional struggles here in this life. Jesus laid that all to rest in John 16 when he said, in this world you will have what? Trouble. I did. Why would you think that it would be any different for you. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you, or it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It simply means that He has not spared you from this. And if you're not happy about that, by all means, tell them. That's okay. We continue with Bildad in chapter 18. Just a couple of verses in chapter 18. Then Bildad the Shuhite replied, When will you end these speeches? Be sensible and then we can talk. If you're going over to someone who is in the midst of loss and anger, it's probably not a good thing for you to tell them, Be sensible and then we can talk. Let them work through that. Be a friend that's trusted enough and close enough and secure enough to where you can let them rage for a bit. And not try to tell them, look, settle down, settle down. My experience has been whenever I have gone to someone like that and have tried to tell them, look, settle down, settle down. You know you don't mean that. I'm doing that not for them, but for who? For me. Because they're making me very uncomfortable. 
And what they need at that moment is a friend that's close enough to them that they will be more compassionate about what they're going through that would cause them to say such things rather than their own sense of discomfort and even insecurity. God is big enough to hear that. And as we'll see in a few moments, He wants to hear that if that's how we truly feel. As I said, Zophar is the last of the three, and we'll just look at it, some verses from chapter 11. Chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. Oh, how I wish that God would speak so that he would open his lips against you and disclose to you the secrets of wisdom, for true wisdom has two sides. Know this, God has even forgotten some of your sin. Again, probably not the best thing to say to someone who's hurting, someone who's suffering. God is doing this to punish you for your sin. In fact, if you got everything your sins deserved, it'd be far worse. And that's going to make Job feel better. How? And then in verses 13 through 20, (laughs) Zophar offers the invitation. You can almost hear just as I am softly being sung in the background. Uh, Somebody getting the cards out ready for Job to come forward and Listen to what Zophar tells him in verses 13 through 20 of chapter 13. Keep silent and let me speak. Then let come to me what may. Why do I put myself in jeopardy and take uh, my life in my hands? Though he slay me. uh, I'm sorry, that's not the correct passage. I need to be in chapter 11, verses 13. That's a great passage, but that's in the coming week or two from Job. Chapter 11, verse 13. Yet if you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then free of fault you will lift up your face. You will stand firm and without fear. You will surely forget your trouble recalling it only as waters gone by. Life will be brighter than noonday and darkness will become like morning. You will be secure because there is hope. You will look about you and take your rest in safety. You will lie down with no one to make you afraid and many will court your favor. But the eyes of the wicked will fail and escape will elude them. Their hope will become a dying grasp (laughs) and I'm sure he sat down ready for Job to fully repent and here's Job sitting there saying none of those things has happened to me and I gave God everything my whole heart I think there's a time to say some of the things that maybe his friends said but that's not what Job needed at that time So let's talk for a moment about Job and his friends and what he thought about what they said. Job 16, beginning at verse 1. Then Job replied, I have heard many things like these. You are miserable comforters, all of you. Will your long-winded speeches never end? What ails you that you keep on arguing? A little bit of sarcasm. I also, listen to verse 4, I also could speak like you if you were in my place. I could make fine speeches against you and shake my head at you. But my mouth would encourage you. Comfort from my lips would bring you relief. Yet if I speak, my pain is not relieved. And if I refrain, it does not go away. In the first part of that, Job is saying, yeah, that's easy for you to say. Oh, yeah, sure. Just repent, Job. 
just do what's right, just don't sin, and God's going to bless you, and you'll have lots of kids, and your barn will be full again. And Again, they're making promises that aren't necessarily true. God has not promised that that's going to happen in this life. He's promised to be with us, whatever happens. And that may happen, it may not. Either way, God is with us. Either way, God will bless us for eternity. That's what's promised. And so Job says, oh yeah, I could make fine speeches. I could say all the same things that you say. But he said, if I were to speak and you were in my place, I would speak words of comfort. I would try to help. And then Job again voices the frustration. But even when I speak, the pain is still here. The pain of loss and the physical pain of illness. And they were no help. Miserable comforters are you all, he told his friends. Well, that's all well and good, but what did God think about Job's friends? Well, we don't find that until the very last chapter, but we do find it in chapter 42, reading verses 7 through 9. This is after God's speeches to Job, which all, as you know, only include questions, no answers. (laughs) And Job's, first of all, acknowledgement of that, and then silence, and then God hits him with round two, and then Job repenting, which is what God wanted all along. Job 42, verse 7, after the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends. Because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Let that sink in for just a moment. All those horrible things that Job said that makes us very uncomfortable to hear. Just reading it in the Bible, imagine if your friend or your loved one was there saying those things to you firsthand. And God comes on the scene and he tells Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, I'm angry with you because you weren't honest. You tried to deny the reality of what was going on in Job's life. You pretended that he wasn't feeling the way he felt. You had these lofty, wonderful words of the righteous prosper and the wicked suffer. And Job, you're suffering so you must be wicked and you don't even see the life of this man and the hurt of this man. I'm angry with you and your friends because you've not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Job spoke honestly with God. Verse 8, so now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken the truth about me, God repeats, as my servant Job has. So they did that, what the Lord told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. So what should we do? We don't do what Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar did. Job obviously felt like he went too far because in the end, he repents. So what do we do? I can only tell you one thing. Be there. Just be there. I don't know what else to do. Be there. Put your arms around them. Cry tears with them when they're crying. 
When they say, I don't know why God is doing this. I don't know why God didn't spare me from this. I don't know why this has happened. Why has this happened? That's when you shake your head. And through watery eyes you tell them, I don't know either. I don't know. Be there. That's what they need. David Wicks alluded to this passage from 2 Corinthians 1, the God of all comfort. And in that passage, the God of all comfort, Paul says, God comforts us so that we can do what? Comfort others. Comfort others. Not make them feel worse in their pain, but to be there for them in the midst of that pain. And not be intimidated and not be afraid and, or at least not let that fear stop us from being there. Don't be that one talent man who goes and digs a hole and hides because he's afraid. We must not let fear keep us from being there for others. Be there. Share in their suffering. Share with them your hope. Share with them the gospel. Remind them of what Eric so wonderfully reminded us of today, of what God the Father went through by giving His Son. And to let them know that that's how much God loves them even though they may not understand it right now. What a friend we have in Jesus. And I think Job could have almost written these words, Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care, precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake me? Could Job ever say that? Take it to the Lord in prayer, in his arms, He'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. This morning, if we can help you find that comfort, that solace, take it to the Lord in prayer with you and for you. Help you to come to Him through baptism for forgiveness of sins to be in a relationship with this loving Father. Come as we stand. Sing this great hymn together. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear.
from Job and how to deal with our daily strives and troubles that come across us, uh, we tend to get wrapped up in those. I myself am very guilty of that. And we, we tend to forget and leave God out of that, those situations. I want to leave you with a happy song as we leave out today. So sing and be happy. If the skies above you are gray, you are feeling so blue. If your cares and burdens seem great all the whole day through, there's a silver lining that shines in the heavenly land. Look by faith and see it, my friend. Trust in his promises grand. Sing and be happy. Press on to the goal. Trust him who leads you. He will keep your soul. Let all be faithful. Look to him and pray. Lift your voice and praise your soul. Sing be happy. with me please dear lord we come before you with grateful hearts we're grateful for the opportunity to come before you as a family and freely worship you and we pray that our worship has been pleasing in your sight this morning as we go our separate ways and out into the world this new week we pray that we would keep you and our minds firmly focused and firmly focused upon your kingdom. We pray all these things in the most holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen.